Yes, you are in. And Casey's back, the Jogging Jesus, for some more deeper. This is an interesting story. This is part of a message when Casey was sick. He ended up not giving it. In fact, he recorded it. They used four minutes of it. You'll hear the rest of the story later on of, of why and when, but I do believe you're destined to hear the rest of the message now. Here you go. And now I'm buried, looking head for sin. I didn't hear a thing. I've got to be, you've got to know. Um, I'm supposed to be there in person tonight. And unfortunately, after three years of staying clean, our household has been hit with COVID. And man, we're laid out. But by God's grace, he's given us technology so that even though I can't be there in person, I can still do a little bit of ministering. Just, just you get the flat version of me. And so I pray that this is a blessing to you. And by the way, let's just, let's just call it what it is. This is awkward. Like, I'm not a TikToker or anything like that, so I'm not used to uh, recording myself. And so just let's go along with the awkwardness, okay? All right, so here's how I want to start. Get the image of God in your mind. Like, who is he? Who is he to you? Like, what's his purpose in all of creation? And, and what's his purpose in your life? Like, how does he interact with you? What's he like? You guys, if I could give you a glimpse into my prayer closet. Like, the times when I go in there and I close the door and I get on my face and I talk to him. Like, I've had times where, where it feels like his presence comes in there and nothing will come out. Like no, no human words will come out of my mouth. I just lay there and I tremble. Like I'm convinced that God gives some of us the gift of prayer or the gift of tongues. Because when you see him, like when you experience him, English is just foolish. You guys, I've had times when I'm driving in my car and I'm just worshiping him with everything I have. And I just feel his presence come into the car. And it feels like the windows are going to blow out. I've had times where I've had to ask him to back up. Because his radiance is just so, so powerful that it feels like I'm going to turn into a puddle on the floor. There have been times when I'm out on a run. And I can hear that still small voice. Go pray for that man. And next thing I know, I have like a 70-year-old man crying on my shoulder. I'm like, Jesus loves you. It's okay, man. It's okay. I have had body parts healed. Like torn Achilles, ran a marathon, healed. I've had the exact amount of money show up on my windshield that I needed for rent in three days. Just came out of the blue. No one knew that I needed it. You guys, I have experienced God. Do you want to know who I think he is? You don't. You don't want to know who I think God is. And here's why. One of the biggest problems with our culture, actually one of the biggest problems with history is that everyone has an opinion of who God is. 
Everyone is so eager to tell you who they feel like he is. Like some will say, he's this big judge up in heaven who's just waiting to strike you down when you do wrong. Others are like, no, 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 that's not God. God's like this love fairy. You do you, sin as much as you want. He doesn't care. He just wants to sprinkle you with love. Others are like, no, 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 that's not God. God is like a genie. Like if you just pray just right, it'll be like rubbing the lamp and all your wildest dreams will come true. No, 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 that's not God. I'm God. My truth is my truth. I determine what's real. My feelings determine what's true. You guys, simply by getting up on that stage and opening up God's word and reading from it. I've had at least one individual walk out those church doors and never come back. I poured five plus years of my life into that individual. Spent Wednesday after Wednesday away from my family, just loving on them. I've cried thousands of tears and prayed thousands of prayers and fasted for them. And man, because I read one thing out of scripture. I taught one thing out of scripture that they didn't like. The last message I got from them, what you read last night, that's not my God. My God isn't like that. Some of us worship our opinions. One of my biggest fears for your generation is that you're so used to 5G. Like you're so, you're so used to having all the world's technology and knowledge packed nicely in your pocket. Like I think that us growing up with Google has convinced some of us that we're all knowing that we can't be wrong. Like bro, you almost failed the eighth grade. You can't be wrong. Like you struggle with algebra and you want to compare yourself to the one who simply by the words of his mouth created everything. Do we seriously think this highly of ourselves? Everyone has an opinion of who God is. And my concern is, is that a lot of us are going to get to the end of this life and we're going to see him and we're going to realize just how wrong we were. And so tonight, I'm not going to tell you my opinion of who God is. Tonight, I simply want to back up and ask Yahweh himself to come down and in his own words, tell us who he is. Are you guys ready to hear from the living God? All right, you guys can turn to Isaiah 6. And so Isaiah 6, 1. And so let me just give you a quick recap or some background on Isaiah. So Isaiah, he, he was a prophet. Like he was a real man. He loved God. He worshiped God and sacrificed God for God and would do anything for him. But he grew up in a culture that was opposite of that. He grew up in a culture that wanted to worship anything but God. So they would worship sex and, and create temple prostitutes and, and they would create, they would uh, worship prosperity and form this God, this false demon God named Malak who, who promised prosperity if they would sacrifice their children to him and, and they would just worship anything 
They would worship the sun and the moon and the stars and all of this stuff. All to try and avoid worshiping the one true God. And so Isaiah would get on his face and he would start pleading for his people. He would start praying that God would convict them and turn their hearts back to him. And and that there would be repentance and salvation. and, And then one day, God shows up. And God shows up in this remarkable way where where Isaiah sees the throne room of God. And here's how he recounts it. Here's here's how Isaiah recounts seeing God. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and a train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two wings, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it is all over for me. I am doomed. For I am a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Do you know that God is holy, holy, holy? He's so holy that Isaiah was one of the holiest men to ever walk this planet. And when he simply gets a glimpse of God, he falls on his face as if dead and he starts screaming out, I'm doomed. Woe is me. Like you guys, Isaiah is holier than us. If seeing God can put him on on his face, what will it do to us? God is so holy that theologians tell us that there are nine levels to the angelic realm. Like you guys, there's not just one type of angel. There are, there's a whole slew with different powers and authorities and, and different purposes. And the highest ranking angels are called seraphim. And their whole purpose is to fly around the throne room of God singing out holy to him. And yet, Despite how holy and glorious they are, they have extra sets of wings to cover themselves so that they don't burn alive from his radiance. But do you know that God created everything? And he created it all to sing of his glory. Like when you go outside tonight, there are hundreds of billions of stars up there that are twinkling simply to sing of his glory. There are galaxies, hundreds of billions of light years away right now that are pulsating simply to sing of his glory. Everything from the rustling of the wind in the trees to the birds chirping in the afternoon to the frogs croaking at night is to sing of his glory, the first cry of a baby, to the laughter of their parents, to someone biting into a cheeseburger and going, mmm, is to sing of his glory. You coming in here tonight and lifting your hands and using those little flaps in your throat called vocal cords to sing out to him 
is to join with all of creation to sing of our King's glory. Do you know that everything responds to him? That there isn't a hair on your head or a raindrop that falls from the sky that doesn't respond to him. Your very electrons and protons and neutrons that are holding your body together right now are doing so in response to him. Your, your lungs are contracting and taking in oxygen. Your heart is beating right now in response to him because he's telling it to. But do something with me. Take a deep breath. That was from him, you guys. That was from our creator. He is not like us. He is wholly different than us. Do you know that scripture tells us that no one and no thing, no matter how holy the man, nor how glorious the angel, no one should ever be compared to God. And then there's Jesus. Like, what do we do with Jesus? Do you know if we're wrong about him? Like, if, if we worship Jesus as a holy man, as a God-man, and he's just a good man, we're in big trouble. And so let me say this. As much as I respect them, I don't care what Pastor Ryan says about Jesus. I don't care what Aaron says about Jesus. I don't care who I feel like Jesus is. I want to know one thing. Who does God say Jesus is? And so, let's hear from him. You guys can turn to Colossians 1. And I actually want to start in, in 15. And I know that Aaron did a marvelous job last week at covering this. But I want to start here because this is what God says about Jesus. And so Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. As Aaron talked about last week, I just want to recap this. What this is saying is God created flesh and that he puts it on and he steps into his creation so that he can walk with us and talk with us and celebrate with us and mourn with us and suffer for us and then to die for us. And he did this because he's not some judge up in heaven telling us to do better, but instead because he's loving and relational so that when you are having a bad day, when your friends reject you, when you lose a loved one, when you're sitting on the couch and it just feels like the world is just too heavy for you, Jesus can come and wrap his arms around you and say, I know. 
I know what it's like to be rejected. I know what it's like to feel depressed. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to lose a loved one. I know. I know. But Jesus doesn't just stop at sitting on the couch with us. So let's keep reading. So let's jump to Colossians 1.18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who raised from the dead. So he is first in everything. So there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. But I actually want to just focus on the church. You know, when, when Jesus came to earth, People started calling him the Messiah, but that doesn't mean that didn't mean the same thing to them as it means to us. Like the Jewish people were under the Roman rule. And so their whole purpose in life wasn't even thinking about the eternal. It was thinking about getting out of this oppression of the Romans. And so for them, they believed that the Messiah was going to come as this this mighty savior who is going to come and overthrow Rome and, and finally call his people back to him. And so Jesus starts doing all these miracles. Like he, he starts making the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. And, and he starts telling dead people to stop being dead. And with every single miracle, they're like, oh yeah, like this man is going to come and he is going to raise some havoc in Rome. And then the day comes where Jesus goes to Jerusalem and he bows up against the leaders and they, his followers cannot wait to see what he does. And instead what happens is he's stripped naked and he's beaten and then they kill him. And all of his followers were like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, if they can kill a man who can raise the dead, what are they going to do to me? Like, what's going to happen to my children? And all of a sudden, people start panicking. But then Jesus comes back from the dead after three days, and they're like, man, now, like, now he's really showing, like, he can raise himself from the dead. Like, what does Rome have on him? But he never saves them. He never overthrows Rome within their lifetime. Instead, he gathers them all together on the last day before he ascends to heaven. And he says, here's the plan. Go to every tribe, tongue, and nation and tell them about the gospel. Tell them about me. Be so unified that the world knows that you're my followers. Just as I gave up everything for you, you are meant to be my body now. You represent me, and I want you to give up everything for them. Sacrifice. Love. Be unified. You know, people ask the question, if God is so loving, why doesn't he do something about all this suffering? Like, why does he allow this suffering to continue to go on? Why doesn't he do something? 
He did. He created you. And he created me. And he stitches us together and he calls us the church. Do you know that it's argued that no other people group on this planet has given up more time or money, has started up more ministries, has fed more homeless, has taken in more orphans? No one on this planet has given up more to push back the suffering in this, on this planet than the church has. Do you know that it was the church that started up the first hospitals? It was the church that started up the first orphanages. It was the church that started up the first food shelves. In the 1300s, the Black Plague comes through, comes through Italy. And as their, as their loved ones start getting sick, people start running away from them. But there's one girl named Catherine of, I'm blanking on her last name, named Catherine. And she, rather than running from the sick, she runs to them. And then one day, a reporter approaches her and asks her, what are you doing? Why would you sacrifice your own life for those who are already dying? And Catherine of Siena responds, Jesus is with the suffering, and I want to be with Jesus. You guys, this is God doing something. He wants to use you. Like he wants to take your generation and set you so on fire for him that it doesn't matter what hits this earth. It doesn't matter. Let plagues come. Let, let Russia get out of hand in World War III hit. Let the economy collapse. It doesn't matter because we know the living God. And if he is for us, who can be against us? Another question that Christians ask is why don't I experience God like you're describing? Like, why don't I experience those moments where it feels like the windows are going to blow out of my car? Why don't, why don't I hear Jesus's voice? I think that some of us are just too comfortable. Like we make everything about comfort in this country. We have to have the biggest house and the nicest car and go to the best schools and play the best sports and be in the best social circles and go on the best vacations and eat the best food and have the best Instagram accounts and never step outside of our comfort zones because it might actually cost us something. Everything is built around comfort in this country. Do you know that Jesus is known as the comforter? Why do we expect to experience the comforter when we're already so comfortable? Jesus lives just outside of our comfort zone, y'all. If you want to walk in his power, go out to where he is. All right, we need to keep going. I'm almost out of time. Okay, let's end with this. 19. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross.
We already discussed how God created everything. But do you know that this includes cowhide? Like, that's a weird question, right? But this is where my, this is how my mind works when I think about God. On the day that he created animal flesh, he knew that the Romans would someday tan that flesh, turn it into leather so they could fashion it into whips to beat the flesh off of his son. When God created the salivary glands, he knew that there was, he knew that we would someday conjure up spit to thrust it at his son's face. And when he was forming the forest, he knew exactly which tree his son would hang on. Why would he create it this way? Like if he knew that we were going to that we were going to misuse these beautiful gifts and do horrible things with them. Why would he ever step into his creation? Like you guys, we're, think, we're talking about the God who created the stars. We're talking about the God who the angels have to cover themselves in his presence so they don't burn alive. And yet he steps down onto this planet and he allows himself to be stripped naked and beaten and laughed at and spit on and then killed. By his own creation. Why? It was for you. It was for broken, sinful you. Do you know that there's a general rule that states that when you wrong someone, the degree of your punishment is relative to the degree of their authority. So here's what I mean. If you lie to a rock, nothing's going to happen. If you lie to your parents, you might get grounded. But if you're sitting in federal court and you're under oath and you lie to the judge, that's called perjury and you get five years in prison. And the reason is, is because that one court, that one court represents all the authority of the U.S. government. Now, if one lie can get you prison time, what happens when you tell thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lies to an eternally glorious and all powerful and all, all just and all holy God? Your punishment is eternal separation from your creator in a place where there's no joy or peace or patience or kindness or love or self-control in a place where there's nothing but regret and revenge and hatred and abuse, a place that we know as hell. When you wrong God, you deserve hell. Not because God is evil, but because he's just and because he's holy. You guys, we live in a culture that tells us on repeat that we are good people. But you will never understand the cross. You will never love Jesus the way you should love him. You will never honor him the way you should honor him. You will never see him as infinitely beautiful until you realize just how broken and hopeless you are without him.
that he gave everything for you, that you can't save yourself, and that he still says, I want you despite your brokenness. Jesus is beautiful, and you need him, and so do I. And so here's how I want to end. I want to give God the last word. And so let's just meditate on this last little bit of scripture. And then we'll go. So 19. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were far, once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The word of the Lord, you guys. I love you.